Hello, everyone, and welcome to Stutter Talk. I'm your host, Chris Constantino. I'm a person who stutters and an assistant professor at Florida State University. I'm here talking with Michael Turner. Mike is a filmmaker and a person who stutters. His first documentary feature, The Way We Talk, about his journey with stuttering has won numerous awards, and you can learn more about it at thewaywetalk.org. Mike is now working on a second feature documentary called Monument, which we'll be talking about today. Thanks for coming on, Mike. Oh, yeah, it's my pleasure, Chris. Yeah, um, for if listeners hopefully will be familiar with you, we had a conversation um, maybe in 2016 about your documentary. I think it was that long ago. Maybe even longer. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was one of the conversations I got the most positive feedback on, wow. um, from my stutter talk, uh, recordings, people really related to, um, what you had to say. So I'm excited to be talking to you again. Likewise. Um, we will post for the listeners links to, uh, the way we talk on the Stutter Talk website. We'll also post a link to your the website for your new documentary, okay. Monument, um, which is not finished yet, but uh, we can link to your Kickstarter. Cool. Um, why, don't, why don't you introduce that to us? Well, um, Monument is also a film about things that we pass down in families. Uh, you know, the way we talk was about stuttering, but it was more about the parts of ourselves that we're ashamed of and like seeing those passed down through our families. And maybe there's like a better way to approach those than being ashamed of them. Maybe like there's no reason to be ashamed of stuttering and that was the journey that i was on for that film and i feel like there are a couple of things that have really like shaped me into who i am one of course is stuttering and another is being the grandchild of a holocaust survivor and how my grandma gradually opened up throughout her life to be more open about her experiences. And um, I've always wanted to make a film about her and the sort of opening up of that trauma for her. And um, at the end of her life, she went back to her hometown in Hungary I was a teenager at this time, but she worked to build a Holocaust monument in her hometown. And um, I had never really understood the importance of that action for her. And I had never been to Hungary to see this monument. And uh, when I became a dad... Uh, it suddenly felt a lot more urgent to learn her story, to be able to pass it down to my daughter. And so this film is kind of about that. So that's, uh, that's a lot to unpack. Let's, <laughs> yeah. let's start with, um, just to help people connect the dots, um, in the way we talk, your grandfather featured a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Is and your 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 grandfather stuttered. Yeah. Um is this the wife of your grandfather? It is. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um people who have seen the way we talk 
might actually remember my grandma from that movie. Um, she, she, she appears in it once and something that she said about my stuttering, um, that made an impact on me. But, um, yeah, like my, that was, that was my mom's father who stuttered and this film is about my mom's mom yeah that that's really nice because you mentioned um i think in our last interview that you saw the way we talk or maybe it was even in the film as sort of a tribute to your grandfather yeah absolutely yeah and in in a lot of ways i mean this is very literally almost a tribute to your grandmother yeah um yeah, I'm like, you know, I like love films ability to show memory, I guess, and like show time passing. And I've always loved filming my family and just seeing how things change and time passes. And um, so th- this film kind of picks up where th- the the way we talk leaves off which is kind of being worried about what I'm passing on to my daughter and finding some kind of acceptance of it. I want to dig into that a little bit. Um, And we'll, we'll swerve back around to, um, to the film. Cause that's what I really wanted to, to talk about, but you've made this, connection between your stuttering and uh as as something that gets passed down and um memories and um experiences that also get passed down um and the listeners may remember that when we spoke the first time you were i think you and your wife were pregnant with your daughter um and so your daughter's how old right now? Uh, she turns f- f- four in about a week. All right. Um, and I, I hope this is okay for me to share, but we, after our conversation, you had mentioned to me that since becoming a, a dad, you had noticed that it was harder for you to stutter openly especially in in front of her um and i i've I've been thinking about that because i i I recently became a parent also (laughs) yeah congratulations thank you it's that's awesome it's been exciting and uh wonderful but there is this um feeling of constantly being watched right Hmm. Of, of, of constantly being um looked up to and analyzed and um <laughs> yeah you know like there's these set of eyes that are taking in everything you're doing a set of ears that are taking in everything that you're saying and yeah. um you want to put you want to model for them the best that you possibly can and um i was wondering if if you could speak more to that experience <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's very well said and i feel like um yeah it's like i can as a fellow stutterer i can pick up on a lot of your concerns too but like i feel like um yeah it's made me a lot more conscious of how i'm stuttering that i don't want to be conveying to her in any way that i'm ashamed of it which I think I'll always be, I think. And so it's like, kind of like the world, you know, it's like things are happening in the world right now that are so unsettling and um, anxiety inducing. But like when I talk to her about it, like I want to talk to her, talk to her about it in a way that shows that like we can handle it, you know? And, um, and I feel like that's also true with 
stuttering. It's like I have my own internal war going on, I guess, with how I talk and how I perceive it and how I think of other people perceiving it. But, um, but when I stutter and she's watching me, I like want her to know that it's okay. And so it's important for me to show her that and act that way. And hopefully it's kind of also helping me become more okay with it too, I guess. Right. Um, some, some, sometimes when we model things, um, we slow, we're almost modeling it for our cells as well. Yeah, absolutely. So your daughter has started talking is, and obviously you, your mother stuttered your grandfather, you and your brother, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which we all learned from the first yeah. film. Um, what, what has your daughter's speech been like? Well, I mean, she talks from basically the moment she wakes up until her head hits <laughs> the pillow at night. Um, and she, uh, she has a lot of, like, there have been phases so far where she has clearly been stuttering. Um, there was like a point last year where she would get stuck on like, you know, the like first sound of a word and couldn't get it out. And I would see her get really frustrated and that would make my stomach drop a little bit. Um, and she's still stuttering a lot, but you know, it's like, I'm not even sure if I would, it's, it's she doesn't seem to notice it. It's just like a lot of repetitions. And I, and just, and I think like a lot of kids her age are dealing with those kind of things. You know, it's like you would, you would probably know more about this as a speech therapist, but uh, I, I, I like learned from the speech therapist in the way we talk, Glenn, he had kind of warned me to not get too freaked out. Like when this happens, because like little kids often have this period of like, their like speech explodes and, and they're, they're, voice is catching up with their mind moving so fast, you know, so it's like a normal phase. I'm not sure. Right. There's, there, you often see uh, periods of disfluency during uh, early language development. Uh-huh. Um, there's, uh, however, there's also, you know, um, the, you know, as a person who stutters and as a person whose family stutters, um, that all the disfluencies you're witnessing might be, um, you know, a, a permanent part of her speech. Yeah. And so I think, uh, the, the feeling of watching her stutter, um, probably ca- carries a additional baggage. Um, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, like you know, my wife is a t- teacher, and so I've had the chance to hang out with kids in her, her class a lot. And there's a brother and sister who stutter in her class. And just seeing the way that they stutter so openly and are like so so supported by the rest of the kids is just awesome to see that kind of stuff happening. And it like it gives gives me hope about my daughter too if she does keep. that like she has all 
all these uh, adults in her life who stutter now, like me and my friends for making that movie who I still hang out with and just really like looking for older kids who she can hang out with too, that also stutter. Like even like the thought of taking her to like a friends conference one day or something is just like so awesome. Like I almost like secretly hope that that can happen. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> Maybe. You're not a secret anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would love that. Um, you, you mentioned the first time we spoke that, uh, you and you, you had this experience rewatching home videos of your grandfather where the first, when you had watched them before working on the film, you hadn't noticed that he was stuttering. Mm-hmm. And then rewatching them, you realized his stuttering was actually quite obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, and that if you had, if you had been more aware of it as a kid, that your relationship to stuttering may have been dramatically different. Yeah. Wow. Um, how does that how, how how does that impact how you would like what you would like to do with your daughter? Well, yeah, that's a good question. I think it's just like that kind of openness around it. Uh, just talking with her about all of these things. Um, yeah, I haven't like I like I haven't really asked her yet about it like i like i haven't really wanted to bring her attention to it yet i'll just you know like if she is struggling with a certain word or like saying a sound over and over again i'll just kind of like get down next to her and look at her and just act patiently um but i but i haven't really like actually talked with her about her feelings about that kind of stuff um, just cause you know, it's like, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure why. Maybe I should ask her about that more. Um, and I, you know, it's like, I'll stutter a lot when I'm like reading her s- stories and stuff and I'll kind of like look at her and smile and point out that I'm having a hard time with certain sounds and, you know, just so she knows that it's happening, I guess. Right. I, I wonder if, um, it's almost, you mentioned all your friends who stutter and obviously you and her, her uncle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's almost like, and I don't know if she'll interpret it like this, but she gets to be part of the club. Right. Like she'll have, she'll, she'll have an in with all these older people. um, Yeah. Yeah. That lets her sort of relate in a, in a more mature way. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, like after making that movie and kind of getting, getting to go to places like friends and the NSA and stuff, you know, it's like just you, see these kids who are like giving presentations to their class about it. And um, even here in, in the little town in Oregon where I live, you know, it's like, I, I work in a public setting and I like, I meet a lot of people and oftentimes they hear me stutter. And I, and there was, one time I was talking with a mom and like her three kids and they were just kind of watching me and I was kind of just having like a hard time with certain words and uh, not speaking very fluently and um, kind of beating myself up about it like a little bit because it's just these like this mom and her th- three boys staring at me while I'm having these long blocks and like they left and I was like, Oh my gosh. Okay. Got through that. And then the mom came up to me later saying that 
one of her sons stutters. And that was the first time they had seen like a, a adult stuttering like that. And the fact that I had kind of gotten through it and like had like a good attitude about it to them, she was just like in tears talking with me about it. And I, it was just a good reminder that not, not, not only for my child, but for all these kids out there, like, I think it is, imp- like, you know, important to, to, to kind of be modeling this more kind of like open accepting way of stuttering, I guess, because you like never know who's listening. Right. That reminds me of, um, I promise listeners, I'm going to stop doing this. But in the last time that we spoke, um, you, we were talking about how much we love hearing other people stuttering. And you had mentioned for your making the movie, you, you had a cold call a lot of people. And whenever they would answer, and like you hadn't spoken to them yet, and they would answer, and the first thing they would s- say would be, stuttered um how happy that made you and it sort of gave you an an instant connection and here you were talking to this woman and her kids and you didn't realize that you were being the person on the other end of the phone right your your stuttering was was giving an instant connection and and maybe making somebody else happy yeah yeah it's so cool all right i want to circle back around to your new film yeah. monument and something that intrigued me um if if people go to your kickstarter page and and watch the little video that you made for it um you're sort of describing the idea behind the f- film and and why it's important and what it's about um and of course because you're Michael Turner, you're stuttering, mm-hmm. um, but you don't mention your stuttering, and um, I think for a lot of reasons that's that's really important, right? We don't we have a lot of examples of people stuttering in the stuttering world, but to hear uh-huh. stuttering um, outside of the stuttering world, to hear stuttering in a documentary about the Holocaust, um, I think is even more important because it Hmm. normalizes it. Uh And I was, I was wondering if when you were filming that, if you sort of had to decide whether to mention it or not mention it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question, Chris, too. Like, yeah, I had, I had a minor existential crisis there uh, trying to answer that question. Like I filmed a lot of different versions of it. And, um, yeah, I, cause I, I like didn't want my stuttering to take people out of the story, but, um, and so I had, I had tried to find different ways to put it in there, but really, um, I have to give my friend Bill credit. Like he was the one who made the music for the way we talk. And I called him just to, you know, to say, Hey, I like, don't know how do you introduce my stuttering in this clip? Like, what do you think about it? And like, he's, he's like, you know, I like listen to like a lot of podcasts and watch a lot of stuff on YouTube. And like, you know, it's, Twenty twenty, like sometimes people just stutter, and people should know like what it is by now. And you don't have to like introduce it or like say, "Oh, your your internet's not 
buffering, you know, I'm just stuttering or like make any kind of like, you know, joke or explain it, just put it out there, you know, and like people, you know, um, people should be able to recognize it by now. And so I just found that like really encouraging and I felt like he was right, you know, like, um, in like the feature film, I like might try and find some way to bring stuttering into it just because it's like a big part of me. And I feel like people should, should know like what it is, what's happening. But I felt like for this clip anyway, I found it kind of empowering to like just stutter and to like try and normalize it like you were saying. You know, like if like my dream is to be able to make films about all the different things and narrate how I'm feeling in them, like stuttering will always be there. And if I model that I'm okay with that, hopefully people watching it will be okay with it too. Yeah, I think that was a very brave decision. Um, it reminds me of sort of when I'm seeing people for therapy, often initially the battle is to get them to talk about their stuttering, to tell other people to, to advertise it. Uh -huh. um, but once they get comfortable doing that, it, it becomes a crutch, right? That they, they feel uncomfortable talking if they've not advertised it. Uh -huh. they, they feel uncomfortable talking if the person they're talking to doesn't know yeah. that they stutter. And so the next step at least, I'm not that you're in therapy, but I'm, it just reminds me of <laughs> this. It should be. That the, the, the next step is, okay, you've gotten comfortable telling people. Now can you get comfortable not telling people and still wow. yeah. stuttering, right? And dealing that's with hard. that ambiguity. Yeah, that's super yeah. hard. Yeah, because you don't know what the person's thinking. It's no longer black and white. Yeah. Um, and can you deal with that ambiguity? And I think, uh, so I think it was brave and i think you're absolutely right it, it's what needs to happen if stuttering's ever going to just be an okay way to speak totally totally yeah you know if like i <clears throat> yeah i mean as we said too it's like i know what stuttering is and i love hearing it you know it, it like makes me feel good to talk to someone who stutters and just hear, hear, hear them speaking naturally. And so I hope that like, um, yeah, I hope that, that, that if someone does see this movie and like is curious about stuttering that like, then they'll find the way we talk and watch that next. You mentioned that your grandmother built a monument in her hometown of Shavar. Sh Sh Am I saying that right? Shavar. Yeah. Shavar. Shavar. Why was it so important for her to do that? Well, um, yeah, uh, she. Yeah, you know, it's interesting to kind of talk about Holocaust history on a stuttering podcast, but hopefully people are interested in it. Like, I like I really do feel like um, the Holocaust is this thing that's still, like, is just hanging over our society. And as much as, you know, there's, like, so many books and films about it but it's still this thing that's like kind of like unexplainable but um and it's like a 
shadow that we're still trying to get out from under. Um, and so I, I, I've always been curious about it. And from childhood, I would hear a lot of stories about it, but my, but like what had happened to my grandma was kind of a mystery to me because she did not talk about it. Um, and she would tell stories about like growing up in Sharvar, kind of her happy memories. And like, I, I can remember one time when I was a kid, like asking her if we could go to Sharvar one day and, and like her face just like changed. And she was just like, no, I would never go back there and didn't say like anything else about it. So just as a kid, just being like, whoa, okay, there's something wrong here. Um, and she had never been back since the war, you know, like she was a teenager when her family was rounded up and sent to Auschwitz. And when she came back after liberation, she was still only 18. Um, and she found that other people had moved into their house. Um, and the town just didn't know like what to do with the Jewish people who had come back from the concentration camps. And so she just kind of left, went to a displaced persons camp and ended up um, being rescued by an orphanage in Los Angeles. And uh, that's how she ended up kind of making her way to America. And so for 50 years, she didn't go back to Hungary um, until I was like 12 or 13, kind of like getting ready to have my bar mitzvah. Uh, and all of a sudden she went, she just said, I, I like, I like wanted to go and I just went. And so she went back to Hungary for the first time and she only stayed in town for an hour after like that whole trip because she was so disturbed to find that there was no evidence that she and her family had ever lived in Sharvar. There was like no evidence that Jewish people ever lived there. Um, so anyway, that's that first experience inspired her to try and create some kind of monument there to the to Jewish people. And it's kind of a long story, but um, that monument, I, after, like, after my daughter was born, like, I found a picture of that monument and kind of realized that, like, that kind of like how I feel this passion for, like, documenting my family and my life that like my grandma also had that passion to like leave some evidence behind that her family and like her community briefly lived in this place. And so I wanted to go and see it for the first time. The, the experience of uh, coming up to the monument um, when you got to Hungary, was it, was it what you were expecting? Um, yeah, I went to Hungary last year and I, yeah, I went to her hometown. Um, 
you know, it was not what I was expecting at all, I guess. Like, you know, I've never really traveled in Eastern Europe and it's like a pretty foreign place to me. Like there's like a lot of history there that I didn't understand. Um, I would interview people who were afraid to talk on camera, which had, which had never happened before. And, um, I just realized that I had to learn more about it. But, um, when I got to her hometown, Sharvar, and I found the monument, um, and the apartment where she grew up is still there too, like right across the street from it. And I got to meet the lady that lives there now. And I would just walk, walk every morning, just like around the town and walk by the apartment and go sit at her monument, like in the morning and evening. And it really did just feel like I was home, you know, like it felt like being in a family cemetery that I had never known was even there. Um, and just meeting people there and making friends there and feeling like I want to go back with my daughter to show her this place and tell her this story that happened. I just felt like so much closer to my grandma and kind of like how the way we talk was about getting closer to my grandpa who had stuttered and like who had died when I was young. I like really feel like this movie is about like getting close to my like grandma and like letting her know wherever she is that I'm, that I like do want to pass on her story and like honor her memory and her family's memory because of what happened. What's really special about this story is how it comes full circle, right? Like your grandmother goes back to Sharvar and there's no record mm -hmm. of the Jewish people. Um, and she literally fixes that, right? Uh -huh. like, she, like now there's a record. Right. right now, there's a monument um, there, and then you go, and you don't have the same experience she had. Mm -hmm. um, now, obviously, uh, it's not like all the past injustices have been erased, and 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 everything's all right. But you go, and there's a record. Yeah, and it's and it's literally left by your grandmother yeah yeah um but i think too like monuments you know like there was when i first saw it i was with a guide who was very skeptical about it and i think not like others with the monument it's self but of just like the town actually seeing it because i feel like monuments are they're almost made to become invisible you know like to kind of like fade into the landscape like there are monuments here in like my town like where i like 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 i'll walk past them every day and not even see them or like think about them because I think there's something about like making something out of stone that makes it feel complete, you know, 
or it's like a like a period at the end of a sentence that makes you like not think about it anymore or like feel like you have to think about it while really like a monument is like a marker of someone's existential crisis you know it's like this like frozen relief of like some crisis in someone's life that they had to leave a marker there and i and to make sure the monument doesn't disappear it's like new generations have to keep coming to it and like finding truths in it for their own experience and i feel like in my life you know like having my daughter in 2016 and uh what was happening in the world at that time which was like a, a you know like here here in uh America anyway like seeing like a rise of violence against minorities and anti-semitism on the rise and um I felt like my grandma's monument still had something to say if I actually went there and listened I guess Yeah, that's a nice reminder that uh, meeting making isn't passive, right? Like we 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 have to interact with these objects, with these memories, and and they don't just pass on knowledge to us or experiences to us. We have to actually create that and recreate it over and over and over again. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like the movie that I made about stuttering in a sense is like a monument to like that experience too. You know, it's like there's a genealogist that I met in Hungary who was telling me that like like a like a poem or a film, like these are also monuments you know these like markers that like that we like leave behind and i feel like the way we talk to it's like a monument to like the people that i met at that time who kind of helped me through this process of accepting what stuttering was and how to keep living with it and I hope that this movie that I'm making now is a monument to my grandma's efforts, I guess. I, w- I was thinking about stuttering actually as you were talking about how um, monuments need to continue to be interacted with and new meanings need to be created. Um, because I think stuttering is like that a lot too, right? We every time we stutter there's there's a plethora of different meetings we can make of it and uh uh-huh right those are those are open ended right and um hopefully your daughter has access to different meetings than you had access to and and we can sort of shape the directions that those go uh down through down through the future yeah on your Kickstarter page, um, I, I was scrolling through uh, just your summary of um, your project, and and at the end of it, you you have a paragraph that really caught me off guard, mm. and so I'm, I'm just going to read it. It's it's a couple of sentences, oh, sure. and you said in an astonishing survey conducted in 2018 by the Claims Conference of 1,350 American adults, one-fifth of millennials have not heard of or are unsure if they have heard of the Holocaust. Yeah. 41% of all respondents surveyed could not identify what Auschwitz was. 52% think Hitler came to power by force when in reality he was elected. 
and 58% believe that something like the Holocaust could never happen again. Um, and that's that sort of surprised me. I'm not sort of. It really surprised yeah. me. Um, and I think it, you know, there's there's been so m- much written about World War II and the Holocaust. And uh, it goes to show that there's so much left that has to be done. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. You know, like growing up kind of steeped in like that history because my grandma was a survivor and and my mom was raised in a community of survivors and their kids like um, that survey really caught me off guard too like but it makes sense i mean like here in oregon where i live like i'm meeting people pretty often who have never met a jewish person before and i and it and it still kind of catches me off guard but i do feel like um that that history you know these stories are things that we just have to keep telling and sharing um even friends of mine after i started this project have kind of like nervously said like hey like i actually don't know that much about it either uh and you know it's like a it's an honor to be able to tell my like grandma's story to people um but i think too it's like you know the bigger lesson of it is like how do you what do you do with that story now you know it's like what's interesting to me is like it's just pure historical fate that my grandma was born who she was where she was when she was you know it's like if my family had had a Nazi past, like how would I be dealing with that legacy now? And like the like fact that my like grandma was a survivor of the Holocaust doesn't, doesn't give me like, any kind of past to like turn a blind eye to in justice that's happening in the world now, you know, it's like I have to participate in it too and try and honor her memory with action. If that makes sense. Yeah. And so that's kind of, you know, like the like whole idea of like becoming a parent and like all of a sudden you you have a stake in the world and um, and trying to use my like grandma as an example of like, okay, she left me this legacy. So now what can I do with it? That's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. And I feel like we just have to do it in our own way. You know, like um, I, for, yeah, I mean, like I, like I hope it's something that I can keep getting better at, you know, like um, whether it's through stuttering and stuttering openly when I talk, or if I'm making a movie, like I hope the movie that I make actually can impact people and empower people to recognize in tolerance or when someone else is being embarrassed or humiliated that we can recognize that and put a stop to it. Whether that person stutters or they're Jewish or whatever different in any way i i think uh so if 
listeners want to help you to get this movie complete, um, how can they support you? How, how can they be a part of it? Well, you know, the film is on Kickstarter right now. We, we, we like launched a crowdfunding campaign, uh, March 1st. And then the, coronavirus just took over the world and um it suddenly seemed a lot less important but i but if like people do want to chip in um the the kickstarter runs until april 15th and we would love to have people become a part of this project you know it's like i think it's meaningful and it's going to do some good in the world hopefully um but if people are experiencing economic uncertainty as I am like um, don't feel any pressure to donate, maybe share it on social media or talk about it, you know, like tell, tell people uh, about things that have happened like this and just keep working to stutter openly and um, (laughs) just keep, keep doing good things in the world during this hard time. Thank you for that, Mike. I, I, I think that's a, that's a perfect place to um, wrap up our conversation. Um, cool. Well, it's a pleasure talking uh, with you, Chris. You're an awesome yeah, guy. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I want to just echo what you said to the listeners about the, um, I, the meaning of this movie, I think, on its own rights, uh, is is a worthwhile cause to support. Um, but also from the stuttering point of view, um, I think we need more stuttered voices out there. And so, um, just to to be in solidarity with a another stuttered voice, I think, is also important. Well, thank you for um, saying that. Yeah. So um, thank you for talking with us, Mike. My pleasure. 